And welcome back to Diz Dad's Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster, and with me tonight for episode 18 of Diz Dad's Podcast Plus are my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. There's a snake in my boots. And Willie Crocker. Hey guys, welcome back. And joining us special tonight is our good friend, Walt Disney World cast member on furlough, John Peters. Welcome to the show, John. Hey guys. Hey guys, it's good to have good to be back on the show. It's been a couple of years. It has been a little while. Uh, it's good to have you back. We're having John here specifically because we're going to be talking about some things, you know, relevant specifically to Walt Disney World, where we felt like having a cast member perspective would be especially helpful. Uh, but before we get into that discussion with John, we need to thank our podcast sponsors. As always, we thank Kingdom Strollers. Orlando's premium stroller and crib rental vendor. As soon as things are rolling again in Orlando, they'll be ready once again to uh, you know have those strollers ready for you to pick up at uh, Orlando International Airport. Make sure you've got a, uh, a crib in the room if if you know there isn't one otherwise available to you. Lots of great uh, sort of bonus things like that that you might not otherwise think of. So if you want to check it out, you can go look at kingdomstrollers.com. And of course, our travel sponsors. Wicked Mouse Travel, you can find them at wickedmousetravel.com, and Mouse Master Travel, that you can check out at mousemastertravel.com. Both Wicked Mouse Travel and Mouse Master Travel are authorized Disney vacation planners, and they would love to help your family get back to the Disney destination of their choice. All right, guys. Um, so we brought John on because we wanted to maybe look ahead a little bit and you know talk about I guess really three phases here. First, what it was like to to shut down Walt Disney World. I mean, it's a, a massive undertaking. Then kind of what things are like now while things are shut down. And then finally, to to take a look ahead and probably spend the bulk of the show talking about, you know, what what it might take to get reopened and what things might look like then. And and we acknowledge up front, this is speculation at this point. There's been no official decisions made, but we felt like this is a topic that we are all kind of wondering about and we wanted to address it in as authoritative a way as we could, absent some kind of an official announcement. Um so so why don't we start with sort of the the you know everything shutting down. Rewind your mind back to the beginning of March. Uh, you know, all the news about uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 were kind of ramping up. And uh, we got an announcement. Uh, you know, Willie, talk a little bit about, you know, that that announcement coming out that Walt Disney World was going to shut down the parks. Because I don't, you know, we, we kind of had an inkling that maybe something was coming up, but... Um, 
you know, we didn't get a lot of advance heads up that uh, they'd be canceling vacations that were going to be right around the corner. Yes, I was still a little in denial, I would say, all the way up through March 7th, 8th. I kept sitting there saying, Disney doesn't close for anything. There's no way they're going to close for a virus. And then it took over my town, like my personal town, very heavy. And then I realized, oh, my God, Disney World's going to close and they're really going to close. And I think it was one of those emails where you look down and you're like, Disney is closing basically tomorrow. And you didn't know what to say. You just looked at it like, holy cow, show's over. Disney's closing. And if Disney's closing, what else is closing? And by then, NBA had canceled, MLB had canceled, NHL had canceled. So it really got real. Yeah, I mean, my recollection was that it was the – you know, the, the basketball player in Sacramento, um, I can't remember his name now off the top of my head. Um, the, the European kid, um, who, who tested positive was the first one of those kind of, you know, stars. Gobert? Yes. The one that licked the microphone. Right. And said he couldn't get it. And yeah. then he tested and then he positive. Got it. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it seemed to me that as soon as that announcement came out, it was like the dominoes started to fall and we had, um, the, the basketball NBA canceling, um, the rest of the season. We had the NCAA started to, you know, initially they were going to go ahead and, and hold tournament games with no fans. And then 24 hours later, it was, you know what, we're just not even going to try and do it. We're canceling. Um, and I think some of that was frankly because they started to get athletes from locker rooms getting sick. Um, but, uh, Walt Disney World, we had maybe three or four days notice. And I know that, that, you know, we had some guests that we had to kind of scramble to get home and, and get their travel plans adjusted. Um, for the three of us as travel agents, boy, it was a crazy, crazy next two weeks after that announcement came out. We know we were scrambling. John, talk about what was happening among the Disney cast members when that news first broke that Walt Disney World was going to close down. Initially, they said through the end of March. It was it was a, an odd situation for me because uh, I had worked all of February. Um, I'd, I'd started at Pirates back in uh, in August of last year, and I'd worked all of February, uh, the all all the time trying to get my transfer through. I was uh, I was I had there was several steps I had to go through to get my transfer over to bus driving, um, taking the DOT. John, you're, you're cutting uh, in and out of drug bit. tests, so forth and so on. And I was on top of it constantly. Telling me, is this? Is that going to be any better? Yes. All right. Um, so, so I was, I was, I finally got the notice that I was transferred um, the week before the fifteenth, and then the sixteenth was the last day that they were actually open. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first day was going to be, I think, Monday the seventeenth. I think it was. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, and so my transfer had gone through. I had my um, training schedule on my on the hub. The hub is the uh, the website that cast members use to see their schedules, get their all their employment information, and that type of stuff. And my tra- my training schedule is on there. And because of that, I squeaked in barely 
to get the uh, the uh, full time pay um, oh, at bus good. driving wage. So, um, so hey, the, good for you. Yeah, yeah. By one day. Wow. So <laughs> by this. Well, that's a really weird my... place to be in because my guess is that as they're you know ramping to to do this close down on relatively short notice, right? You know, all the cast member schedules have got to be kind of shuffling, and you know, you you had to be in the most awkward position of all because. All of a sudden, your compatriots who who were working with you in Adventureland are getting called in to help get things shut down. And meanwhile, you're, you know, you have this training schedule, and I'm again guessing they canceled your training because it started after the shutdown. Yeah, it was it was a bizarre situation. I had actually um, taken my company car in for my last job um, and dropped it off at the warehouse, um, that Sunday. And they called me literally when I'm in the warehouse, putting the keys of that company car on the desk, uh, Disney called me and said, don't, yeah, don't show up tomorrow. (laughs) You're training. You're not training. So, (laughs) gee, thanks for the notice. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, so I I literally found out about, I guess about 10, 12 hours before uh, we went in that day, but yeah, all of Disney university was going to be shut down. All that is shut down. So, um, obviously no training, I guess I really should have thought that probably wouldn't do it, but it's so hard to believe. I mean, I've lived in Florida my entire life. Um, they closed what half a day for nine 11. They closed half a day for a couple of hurricanes. And other than that, they'd never close. So I just couldn't believe that they actually would. So, um, until I got that call, I was still thinking maybe we would do it. So, right. No. So, so you get that call, you know, on the 16th basically. And so is it immediately that your status is on hold or did they want you to, you know, come in and help shut some things down in transportation or, you know, was it just stay away for now? That was it. Um, that was it. Um, basically I, I have no complaints with Disney at all right now. I've got paid, I've got paid uh, pretty, pretty well for the last four weeks to sit at home on my butt and not do anything. Um, a lot of it's weird. I would went around the weekend before and said goodbye to everybody on pirates and stuff like that. Um, so oh right, so you actually had a chance to say goodbye I to people. Nobody else was saying goodbye, but you were them. And oh, I saw, it. yeah, you know. Um, and actually, I saw some of the um, uh, CP kids, the college program kids, and got to say bye to them, uh, not knowing them, not knowing that that was their last couple of days of work. Because when I right, walked right. around on that Saturday, they still made no no notice about uh, the college kids having to leave right away. Um, so it was a bizarre situation. But I did get to say goodbye to some people and stuff like that. So, And unfortunately, I mean, the position I'm in, the the groups that I'm a part of are my Lion King group, or I worked at my train group and my pirates. I don't have any group to be part of on Facebook with my new position because I haven't been trained there yet. So I'm getting all of my information from people I've worked with before, not currently. You're not, you're not on the right distribution lists yet. (laughs) It's going to be a little bit strange. It's very bizarre. So, so I guess if you hadn't, hadn't been trained yet, you didn't uh, have to uh, help go park the buses anywhere, right? No. No, I didn't. I didn't have to do anything. So, uh, they, they paid you for the schedule that you had that week. They told you not to show up and that was it. So, and uh, as of today, it's official furlough day. Um, supposedly they have worked with the state of Florida to automatically enroll us in the unemployment system. Uh, we'll see if that actually takes or not. So good luck with that. Yeah, I know. So, 
Yeah, we we'd heard that, and and um, I'm hopeful for you because I know that it's been uh, challenging for Florida to say the least at this point so far. Um, folks have had a real hard time with their system. Yes, yes, uh, our unemployment system is probably the worst in the country. So yeah, well, they're they're all hurting. I mean. I, they're apparently, True. if any of True. the dads listening are, are, you know, skilled COBOL programmers, um, apparently you could get a job in almost any state in the United States if you were willing to go and do contract work, working, helping them reprogram their unemployment systems. Because something like, you know, half the states still have core software that's coded in COBOL. Um, okay, Somehow, so, I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I thought that's that language the, that, fell off. Hmm? I thought that language fell off like 20 years ago. Like it, after it Y2K, they said, okay, no more. No right. more. You have to use four digits? <laughs> we can't yeah. do that. Right. It's crazy. Anyway. Um, so, all right. So that, that takes us up to the shutdown and we're into the, the period where, um, you know, we're, they shut things down. Um, the initial word was the shutdown was going to be to the end of March. Clearly, <laughs> that has been amended. Um, and currently, it's an quote-unquote indefinite closure. Um, the closest hints of anything that anybody has of, of any kind is that at the moment, if you went in and tried to move a reservation, right, the earliest they'll let you move a reservation is sometime in June, Right. I mean, I haven't tried to do it in a while, and I, I'm at this point not recommending to anybody to plan for June because I'm not buying that we're going to be there yet. But I know uh, we had to reschedule our vacation. We had uh, uh, DVC. We were staying at uh, Polynesian at the end of May, um, right. and and we changed that. And um, as soon as we we could look in June. And there was stuff available, um, but I, we decided to, to go all the way to end August. So hopefully, hopefully everything's back to you know normal right. by that time. Um, but yeah, you could book stuff in June at that time. So I, I didn't want to because I just don't want to have to try to right. cancel and schedule again. So, so uh, Willie or Tim, have either of you even tried to look at something in June recently? Well, I tried to uh, look at DVC just online and. Uh, whenever you try to, it doesn't matter if you're trying to book for next January, the, the system just locks down. So as far as booking is concerned for DVC, I think you have to call. Yeah. For DVC, you have to call. Um, Willie, have you tried to do through the reservation system? Yes. I called because I have someone that is adamant to be there on June 1st. And I have literally told him multiple times. You are not going on vacation June 1st. And he says, yes, we are. But he lives in one of those states where their governor's like, we're open and we're going to do this. You're going to go. And I I don't want to bring politics in, but when they start, you know, they drink the Kool-Aid long enough, they think they can go on vacation, too. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. The scientific equivalent of the earth is flat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seriously. So, but I digress. Right. So, so we know that, that this is a long-term shutdown. Now, John, you mentioned that at this point, we're recording this in the middle of April. So they've been shut down for almost a month now, um, actually just over a month. So you said you drove around property recently. Talk a little bit about 
driving through Walt Disney World property when it's been completely closed for a month. I mean, we're talking about a situation that that frankly has never existed. I mean, the closest thing to it would have been something back in, you know, 1970, right, before the park opened. And there's so much more of Walt Disney World now that, you know, it's still a different experience, a different thing that you're stumbling upon. So talk a little bit about driving around in, uh, you know, around Walt Disney World property. Well, first of all, I want to I want to say I had actually I had a reason to be there. I wasn't just uh, sure. out gallivanting around. Um, no, I drove into Orlando again um, since uh, my wine job uh, uh, obviously is the only thing going now. I'm still messing around there a couple of days, um, so I still have the company car. I had to head in um, last week to to do some stuff there and head over to Tampa. Well, in between the two, I'm as, as the wine warehouse is right by Disney, I'll. I'll spin through the property and uh, it's bizarre. Uh, very, very strange. Um, the parking lot for the cast members uh, for the magic kingdom is um, I think it's, it's off of it's back behind the grand Floridian. If you were on the Floridian way and you passed the grand Floridian on your right hand side, and you just headed straight out. Uh, the parking lot is back on your right hand side, um, but back behind it's in between. Yeah. Kind of in, in behind the contemporary to that direction. Okay, right. Um, I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but every time, I mean, I've got off work there at two o'clock in the morning, I've went into work at four o'clock in the morning and there's, you know, two o'clock in the morning, there's probably still seven or 800 cars in the parking lot, cast members. Um, when you go in in the morning, there's probably several thousand cars there already. I drove through that parking lot and there were two cars, two orange County cops talking to each other. And that was it. It was so weird. So bizarre. Um, so I, I drove past that. I drove past uh, the Grand Floridian, and they, of course, have all the security uh, gates down and everything. And there's usually a Disney security vehicle sitting in every um, entrance to every uh, resort. So they don't really want to antagonize anybody <laughs> or cause any trouble. <laughs> so I just kind of drove past that. Sure. Um, I looked at the I looked at the Magic Kingdom parking lot, and you could see where they had parked all the buses, just acres and acres of buses. It was a it's a surreal sight. It really is. Um, and then the rest of the parking lot is just completely empty. Um, that huge parking lot with no cars in it. Um, but they get up to, and the only thing open on property was that Speedway gas station right there on the outside of the Magic Kingdom. Mm. Um, that was open, I guess, for the cast members that are still having to come into work and stuff like that. Right. Um, but you pass the parking plaza and no cars. Can you imagine that parking plaza there at the Magic Kingdom with not a single car in the in the in line? Um, you look at the road. I was the only one going that direction, and there were no cars coming towards me on the other side of the road. It's just, it was unbelievable. It was eerie. Um, you felt like I felt almost, I, and I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I felt like I was, sure. you know? right. so it was, it was a bizarre thing. And then the only, only construction I saw actually still in process and progress was out there at Flamingo crossing, um, on the other side of 429. Uh, they seem to be still working on stuff over there, but that's a lot of outside construction and everybody was, it looked like, you know, 10, 15 feet apart. So, um, I don't see why they couldn't do that type of construction, but that's the only people I saw working at all. Right. So. Yeah. And that, that would all be third party construction. That's not, that's yeah. not Disney's yeah. construction. I did hear rumors that there are a few people working over at reflections. Yeah, that would make sense. I think it's okay. still all still outside construction too. So, Oh, okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah I know there's, 
there's there's several cast members obviously still working in security landscape being um obviously the whole animal care um experts over at animal kingdom um all those guys are still at work and then i mean yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, even down in the Utilidors, there has to be people down there, engineers and stuff. Just, and I would imagine they have to cycle the rides every once in a while. You can't just let Pirates of the Caribbean sit for you know six weeks without ever running it. So, right. Well, that's that's one of the things we have speculated on. I don't know whether any of it's actually been included in the show, but we tend to chat about it sort of after the show ends. And you know that thought, that whole thought of of, and this is a good way to maybe to transition to what reopening might look like. But you know when they do say, okay, it's time to allow guests again. I mean, it's mind blowing. The the closest thing to this would be reopening after a hurricane shutdown. But even those have been, you know, thirty six hours, forty eight hours or so max. This is a and whole, oh, go ahead, and the. People are still in the resorts, right? Like people are still sleeping there, right? The parks. Yeah, I mean, at this point, nobody's there, and you don't have any sort of existing guests sort of ready to go, and you've got to start up all four theme parks. So we're getting into the world of speculation, but John, any sense of what what Walt Disney World reopening would start to look like? It's it's so hard to to even think about right now. Um, I have heard, had no word at all of when I'm going to even get my training done, and I'm hoping you know I'm hoping I go back first because I still have to train, and so oh, right. yeah, I would I would much rather train driving a bus on. I mean, I've driven a truck for 30 years, so I, I can handle myself, but still, you know, given the choice, no traffic or traffic, I'm going to take no traffic. <laughs> sure, um, so, <laughs> but it would be great to get back and and get trained and then be ready to go on opening day when we when we do go back to full capacity and stuff. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I speculate all the time with my wife. Um, are they going to put a, a custodial uh, uh, cast member on my bus and have it and clean it constantly when people get off the bus and get back on the bus? Am I going to be responsible for that? And, you know, before, after I left people off at the Magic Kingdom, before I let people back on to go to Port Orleans Riverside, for example, do I need am I going to have to shut the bus completely down, wipe everything down before I let people on? I don't know. It's, well, it's and, an interesting and, uh, idea. I mean, and and there's there's real questions about things like bus capacity. I mean, I know yes. that that for example, the the transit systems that are running currently still are doing their best to, you know, basically reduce the capacity of each vehicle by whatever fifty percent or more, so that people on on the transportation can maintain appropriate distancing. Now, we may not be at a stage where where you know by the time they reopen that everybody's constantly at six feet, but I can't imagine going back to a world where you pack people on those buses, you know, sort of shoulder to shoulder, standing all the way to the back. You know, I don't know. It's a, it's interesting. The, out of the, the positions I've held out there, I mean, I worked at the Lion King show and I've done Pirates of the Caribbean now. And the Lion King show, we are constantly telling people to slide to your right, slide to your right, you know, yeah. get right up next to that, that couple in front of you. You're all family now, you know, move on in and make more room and, and stuff like that. And then pirates were constantly walking the queue, telling people to please get up, keep up with the party in front of you. Don't allow, allow any space in there, fill in all that available space. I mean, so it's going to be 
I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how social distancing could possibly work at Walt Disney World. Well, and and I mean, the one that always gets me is Haunted Mansion Q. Oh right? gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there are like three I mean, stages where, where the cast members are saying over and over again, please move forward and yeah. use up all available space. Yep. yep. Do they just eliminate the stretching room for a while? I mean, the stretching room isn't the problem, really. The problem is getting from the outdoor queue inside and then getting from the – it's a transition from the stretching room to the vehicles, right? Where That merge area. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, I mean, if you just have one of those open all the time, it's just a, it's just a tunnel straight through. Where oh, you, just you put, skip the stretching room? You, you skip the stretching room all the way. You know, it's just a line with – and they put two um, – you know, line markers right through, and you just lo- load the ride as you walk on. I mean, it takes away a, from the ride. But yeah. I mean, give I, everybody I, a pool noodle to to stay right this far away from the people <laughs> in front of you. Well, yeah. I mean, you could you could achieve pretty much the same goal, and and in some ways, this, the stretching room can help, right? Because you can count into the stretching room. X number of people and you know the square footage of the stretching room and then you close the door to the stretching room and tell people they can go ahead and go to the ride. Whatever it is, it's a fraction of what are normally in the stretching room. So, you know, you can enforce distancing to some extent that way. Um, and, you know, you just have to, to you'd have to do a lot more crowd control exiting the stretching room, you know, so that you don't get those, that, that cattle shoot that you usually get where you're trying to narrow down from what it amounts to five lanes to one kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, that's going to be a problem across the board, you know, well, um, think about it. All, all forms of entertainment, whether it's theme parks, uh, concerts, sporting events. I mean, every, movie every single theaters. Thing, yeah, there's all, well, movie theaters, there's less, you can have less of a bottleneck than you do at like, concerts and sporting events. Uh, you can you can at least enforce it to some extent, extent, or you know at least make yourself stay, you know, this far apart from these other people. But you know that's that's what entertainment and sports and and music is is made of is cramming tons of people together in a small space. Right. I mean, I mean, you can do concerts and like, for example, we've heard him talk about doing movie theaters by selling. You know, most most movie theaters now at least have the capability to sell tickets you know, on a specific seat basis rather than general admission. And so they, they've talked about, you know, having movie theaters sell tickets for somewhere around half capacity and then putting, you know, seats between every party, um, which is, which is all well and good for a movie theater. But, you know, how do you do that for an outdoor concert? I mean, that you know, that, there's no, there, there's not even labels there for those things. It kind of takes away from Red Rocks. Right? And I'm just wondering how possibly do it at Walt Disney World with the, I mean, you'd have to cut the capacity to a quarter of what they're used to putting in in Magic Kingdom to Uh, just even try to get the separation between people. Well, I mean, you would certainly have to cut, uh, you know, capacity significantly and that maybe that's one of the things we were going to kind of talk about i mean uh, 
I guess let's do this one step at a time. So maybe one of the first things we can do is is identify areas that we know are going to be particularly challenging at Walt Disney World. And I think we've we've done a couple there, right? We we know that things like the Haunted Mansion queue is is a really tough one to navigate just because of the way it's set up. Um, show seating is another one where you know it's doable, but it's going to take extra cast member support to be able to help you know, help people maintain distance. And remember that we're communicating with people who don't all speak English. Um, so, so that's, that part is a challenge as well. Um, what, what are some of the other areas where the whole distancing issue is going to be challenging? I would think food service would be just as big of a challenge. Right. I mean, buffets are, are pretty much a thing of the past, right? I mean, you might have, have, stations that people will serve from, but the, the, the self-service buffets that we're used to, I can't imagine those being back. Is it maybe all family style? That's what I was going to say. The family style where it only goes to that table. Well, it's, it's either family style or, or it's like, is like they were doing on the cruise ships. Um, right. Serving you. Right. Plated. You come around and they'll serve you what you ask for on your plate from the buffet line, which is again, a lot more, cast member intensive. So, you know, family style might work better, but some of those meals just don't really, you know, family style doesn't quite work. I mean, I don't know how you do family style with the, the buffet at Tusker house. Or Crystal Palace. Well, right. Yeah. Our favorite is Cape May. So the crab legs, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, that would have to be a service station. You'd have to go up and ask for four or five crab legs. I don't see a whole platter coming to me, although I wouldn't complain. (laughs) Right. Well, and actually that's almost an example of something they might bring to the table only because, you know, if you asked for it, only because everybody uses, you know, they're awkward. So people end up using their hands even when there's tongs there. So yeah, yeah. It might well, just be I'm, in an abundance of caution, an easier way to do it. I'm also thinking about quick service places where, you know, you've got crowds of people that are, you know, waiting in line, you pay, and then, you know, the server's probably having to change their gloves every few minutes, you know? Same, and then, same tree barbecue mm-hmm, comes to mind. Well, yeah, any quick service. And then the condiment stations, stations? Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about the pickup line at the at the quick service right i mean it's bad enough when you're waiting in line to order but it's the people who are then bunched up shoulder to shoulder waiting to pick up their trays and you know multiple people's hands grabbing trays and i mean little kids with runny noses at at the counter (laughs) all the have to be hand sanitizer stations everywhere but then think about it, you know, once you're done eating, now you've got, you know, uh, your trays and whatnot. Well, as long as the things are disposable, you can put them in the trash. But then, you know, somebody that the, that just put their trash in the trash might have, you know, COVID or, you know, might have, might be a, a symptomless carrier. I mean, there's all kinds of threats. Right. Well, so, so. Food service is obviously a big issue. Can you think of any other attractions or areas in particular in any of the parks that, that are ones that maybe are going to be forced to at least temporarily, you know, redesign or reroute? What about our nighttime fireworks? Spectacular, oh, great example. Especially at the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't even have a clue how they would do that. Main Street after the fireworks? How? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that you try and draw, you know, seating boxes on the, on the, you know, right there on the concrete. 
perhaps. And that, we know that won't work because yeah. all the people who just show up and do whatever they right. want, put the kid <laughs> yeah, exactly. on the shoulder with an iPad. Mm-hmm. And then when it's over, how are you going to stop them from bunching together? Because everybody wants to get out and get back to the resort and put the kids back to bed or you know, well, whatever. So, so that is a piece of what we were talking about at the beginning, though, which is the overall capacity piece. Um, I mean, that, that's that's the real issue is – you know, how many people does it take to put in Magic Kingdom before – or how many can you put in Magic Kingdom before it feels crowded like that, right? Before everybody is shoulder to shoulder. Um, and I've heard estimates of anywhere – somewhere around 30,000 guests could be in Magic Kingdom without anybody – and still maintain, you know, six feet between people. That sounds about right. A busy day for us over at Animal Kingdom was about thirty-three or thirty-six thousand. Um, a slow day when I was at uh, Pirates at the Magic Kingdom was about forty-six to forty-seven, and there were days there that was well over sixty, sixty-five thousand. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you were going to try to limit it to thirty or thirty-two, you're looking at about half capacity. So I could see that if they do do that, do you see the prices going up? Well, so that there's all the questions, right? It's it's if we go to th- if we can only put thirty thousand people in Magic Kingdom and and fewer probably in the other parks because Magic Kingdom's big. Yeah. Um, but if it's thirty thousand at Magic Kingdom, you know, and you and a lot of the things you have to do to maintain distancing require extra cast, extra support, because you've got to have people enforcing because we know the people don't follow directions. <laughs> so, so your individuals are intelligent. People are stupid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we're put, allowing fewer people in the park. We need more cast members working each shift. Um, and, you know, the, then the question becomes what happens to pricing? And, on the one hand, you know, you would think that prices might have to go up to cover those costs. On the other hand, can Disney afford to to play that game? Can they afford to crank up prices farther? And, you know, will guests still come, basically? I mean, will they still be able to get 30000 Because it's one thing to crank the prices up and get 10000 But, you know, at that point... I mean, that's because that's that that's not even a party crowd. And and at that point, you know, you you you've collected more money, but still not enough if you needed 30,000 <laughs> to right. The to value proposition is just mind boggling. And even then, you probably have to do away with uh, with park hopper park hopper tickets for a short time so that you can control crowd sizes. What do you think? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, you can still you you. If you keep, if you put your, your, you figure out your capacity number for each park, you make it a hard cap and it's not any different than, you know, peak days in the summer when right. one or in, Christmas, one out. Thanksgiving, like New Year's. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that does bring us back around to the question of how you do that. I mean, how do you deal with limiting capacity to 30,000 people? And that's where I still think it's going to go back to, on property guests only for a while. What do you think, John? Can Disney get away with going to hotel guests only in the parks? That'd be an interesting, interesting thought, but I, I don't know because uh, there's a ton of hotel rooms out there. But um, per, you know, maybe maybe a week 
they could test it that way. Um, but there's uh, as many people stay at Walt Disney World. I would say there's still probably probably at least 60 percent stay off property or are locals i mean we're a small percentage of local people who have annual passes and nothing like disneyland but still there's a a considerable amount you know that um our relatives would come down and stay with us and go for to the park for a day or two and stuff like that so um i see my i see my passes blocked out for a long time though um as a cast member i don't see them opening that main gate pass for quite a while well, and, and Willie, here's the interesting thing. So I, I did a little digging, um, and a rough estimate for the number of hotel rooms at Walt Disney World, and that this is a, a little bit dated number, so that that's a little more than that. But in as of the beginning of 2016, they were at 30,000 rooms, and we've built at least two resorts since then. Okay, but that's still 30,000 on average, what, three people in a room? Right, so that's ninety thousand people, which is which is spread across four parks. Okay, if you can spread and them across Disney four parks, so. right? We're really yeah, six yeah. parks because you got the water parks too. Yeah, oh, yeah, but, but they're not going to put two thousand there, two thousand here. It it adds up, but they're not going to they're not going to swallow a lot of capacity. But if you eliminate your day trippers and eliminate the um, other great hotels that we spoke of last week, right? Then yeah, then. Maybe you got a shot. I don't know. So, John, as a bus driver, what does it look like if you don't have any other guests driving onto property? The only people you're serving are hotel guests. Uh, we have to assume that hotels are at pretty good capacity. I mean, you, you have to leave some rooms empty because you need to have probably a bit more time than you normally would to clean in between guests because you've got to do a more thorough clean. But, uh, you know, assuming hotels are at, say, 75% capacity, right? What, what does that look like for a bus driver? Uh, obviously, it'd be a lot less traffic on the road. That's for certain. Um, you know, it, but there would be, you know, still that certain. It's going to be interesting, too, to see what percentage of people are never going to fly on an airplane again um because they're going to be terrified to get on a plane um just because it's so such tight quarters there so i I really think you're going to see a a a huge influx of people driving down now um on their next trip um (laughs) that thing that disney's been working so hard to discourage for the last four years (laughs) exactly right um so yeah um so it's going to be interesting to see Well, I I guess the buses will be busy. I guess there will be a little less traffic, but then there'll be a lot of people that have their own cars that maybe normally wouldn't have their own cars on property. Um, So, and if you have your own car, you're probably, you're probably going to be tempted to drive to the Magic Kingdom, um, stuff like that. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting idea and and to to see how that works. And, and again, to see how I'm going to be able to clean that bus. Are we going to clean the bus, you know? and. I don't even know if are are we going to have to tr- think about the potential of trying to take people's temperatures before they go into the parks. I've heard that speculation out there, so right. I don't know. Yep, I have too. I mean, there the the folks in in which is it is it is it Singapore that were was taking everybody's temperatures before they walked into stores, and and they developed a pretty good sort of you know instant read laser thermometer kind of thing. Yeah, just right on the forehead, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they can do it quickly enough. One thing I did Scan your finger. Yeah. Scan your finger and your forehead. Yep. So. One thing I did think about 
if they did go to just on guest, they would lose so much revenue in parking. Like think of the Magic Kingdom parking lot. I mean, even if even if the park was at thirty thousand people, there's you know that's that's what on average ten thousand cars. Right, and and I mean, even if more guests are driving and parking at the resort, it's still a fraction of the total number of people who were parking at the theme parks. Right. It just leaves you wondering, you know, will are they willing to operate at a loss just to get back up and running? I I don't know that that's a, a great idea. That's a good point too. I mean, that's a question, right? Is it is it less damaging to stay closed a little longer? Um, and and. That, again, is is sort of going to take us to the next piece of this, which is, you know, we're talking about this because um, we've spent the last several months doing this whole social distancing thing as uh, in an effort to, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago to, to, you know, flatten the curve, as they say. And what that means is this is a, a pandemic disease. When you get a pandemic disease, that means that eventually everybody's going to be exposed to it, right? People, there's no way to protect everybody forever. It's just, it's out there now. So what we're trying to do is make it so that not everybody's exposed at the same time, right? Because when you've got to treat those people, the hospitals can only handle so many at a time. So what we've been trying to do is stretch it out. Well, at a certain point, you've stretched it out. And when you relax those things, there are going to be some people getting their first exposures. And so we know that there's likely to be another spike in cases at some point when, when the restrictions are lifted. Um, the, the idea at least is that the longer we can wait, what we're doing is buying time for us to develop vaccines and treatment. So the best data I see says that we're probably 18 months away from a vaccine. So I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I don't think we're going to be waiting 18 months before theme parks open, right? I don't think we're going to wait for a vaccine, but maybe you guys disagree. If we wait 18 months, there won't be many theme parks left in business unless someone's bailing them out. I mean, you think about Central all the Florida this, left in. <laughs> right. I mean, Central yeah, Florida I mean, would be done. We, we we would just fry up and go away because uh, uh, I, especially in Orlando, Kissimmee area, I, I would say either directly or indirectly, at least 80 percent of our revenue, our economy is based on tourism, either be it the actual tourist, the actual uh, workers that work at those parks, the restaurants that depend on the workers that work at those parks, or even the construction, you know, that's done because there are so many tourists here. I mean, sure. there is no way that we would survive if the parks closed for 18 months. Uh, the whole state of Florida would probably just shrivel up and die. So I would hope not. I Right, so so that's 18 months out. Now, what's, what is imminent, right, just around the corner here is we finally have what look like will be fairly readily available, what they call serological testing, where they can actually test blood for antibodies. Um, there are several tests out already on the market, um, but they've all just started in the last maybe two or three weeks. Um, I know Mayo Clinic has one that's well-regarded. There's another one that was developed, I want to say, at Sloan Kettering that people like a lot. Um, 
whatever it is, both of those tests are much better than the one that was being used in China that had a really high false positive rate. Um, so, so we should see testing ramp up quite a bit. Why does testing matter? I mean, Tim, do you want to speak to why it matters to have more people getting tested? Why does testing matter? Because you can you can be a carrier and not even know it. You may not have any symptoms. Um, and by being a carrier, you can expose people who, um, you know, uh, they could be elderly that have uh, fewer defenses. They could be uh, uh, cancer or MS patients, people who uh, are already – uh, because of their treatments are immunosuppressed. So uh, testing is going to give you a better idea of, you know, hey, have I been a carrier in the past? Um, and, and the information that I'm seeing says that uh, about 2% of the people who have tested positive for having had it in the past are getting it again. Right. So and there's there's no proof that we need, we that need to uh, we need to be careful about speculating too much on that because part we have we have several problems that kind of play together and I, to to I don't want to to overstate my qualifications to talk about this stuff I just happen to have a couple of friends who are epidemiologists um, <laughs> who I've been talking to a lot lately who are professionals in the field um, and and the the biggest problem with the question of reinfection is that the most commonly used test is oversensitive. So they know that they have a, a, a relatively high prevalence of false positives. So they don't know for sure on some of these whether the person actually had it the first time or not. <laughs> well, you're exactly right. This is such a strange world that, yeah. I mean, th this is something that we've not experienced right. in our lifetimes. But here's the interesting thing, and, and this is something that's actually, to my mind, rather hopeful looking forward. Um, and this comes from, this is, again, it gets a, a step further away, but I, I have a, a friend who I've known since high school who is a, a doctor, a pediatric doctor, and also uh, has a master's in public health. And so she's been sharing information from a friend of hers uh, who, you know, practices more on the, the front lines of this um, epidemic and is a research physician. Um, and what what she's been talking about quite a bit lately is the development of herd immunity, right? Because when you have a brand new disease like this, the problem is that since it's brand new and each person is encountering it for the first time, it spreads very quickly and the hospitals don't have a way to treat it. And so they get overwhelmed. So what what they're finding as they're starting finally to do broader testing is that in areas where the outbreak has been bad, and there's nothing good to say about that, right? Too many people have been dying, too many people have been sick. But the number of people who they're testing who either never experienced symptoms or or maybe experienced mild symptoms and were told not to come in for testing because they were overwhelmed already, um, the proportion of those people is already quite high for people testing positive for the antibody of COVID-19. What that means is that we're starting, at least in the areas that have been more active infection, to develop herd immunity. And so as that happens, you have fewer people getting first exposures, and as we develop actual treatments— um, you know, that, that means that 
we don't have to be quite as careful, right? We can, we, we still need to be careful because there are still going to be people who are immunocompromised. There's still going to be, you know, but the folks who are immunocompromised get to benefit from the fact that there's a larger group of people around them who, because they already carry the antibodies, are less susceptible. Even if they're not completely immune, they're less susceptible. So they're less likely to transmit it, if that makes sense. Herd immunity. Herd immunity. Are you calling me a cow? Yes. No. <laughs> yes, you should be so lucky. Great. We should all be so lucky. Um, well, so so to me, you know, that that's the hopeful part, right? The hopeful part is that that we're starting to develop that herd immunity and – you know, the the whole trick here is if we can get to herd immunity without drowning our emergency rooms, we win. <laughs> that, that's the bottom line. The other thing is um, we have more hospitals and people wanting to learn how to find something with this compared to where it came from. Right. I don't want to pick on the country, but – you know, we have John Hopkins and Mayo Clinic and you name the places. They have people that are just sitting in labs 24-7 right now trying to find something. Right. And it's not just us. It's the no, the, right. the Germans and the exactly. Dutch and the Israelis yeah. and, you know, that we, we've got, um, you know, things happening in a lot of fronts. Um, Mayo Clinic um, has been – it's very early – so it's only anecdotal so far, but, you know, they, they've been doing plasmapheresis treatments that have had really positive results so far. Um, and again, that's one of those things. It's a little ironic, but, you know, you can only do plasmapheresis after you have people who have already been exposed whose blood you can use. Well, we have a lot of people exposed now, so… Right. Well, now now we got to test them and make sure the tests are accurate, yeah. and then we can. Okay. So so let's presume for a minute that we're not looking at eighteen months, right? That that we're looking at somewhere between, you know, June first and eighteen months from now. Um, I mean, John, just from a, a Florida perspective, you know, uh, how do I say this? What's your sense of of you know, how long y'all can hold out. Yeah. Our governor was a little slow, uh, little, a little, slow, a lot slow in closing Florida down. He's going to be, he's being pressured right now. I know to open it back up as quickly as possible. Um, I wouldn't doubt that he will get, he will give the go ahead for, uh, Disney universal and SeaWorld to probably open up. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it as soon as mid, mid, uh, June sometime in that area. Um, but then it's going to be up to those individual parks um, and areas to decide when they feel comfortable of welcoming people back in and stuff like that. And it's going to be a, a difficult question. I know for myself, um, I don't actually, we don't have any elderly uh, folks that live with us or anything like that. Um, as soon as they open restaurants back up, I'm going out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of cooking every night. I really am. So I'm ready. To, Amen. Ready to, I'll second uh, that. Um, Tired yeah, of drinking so. my own alcohol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, as soon as as soon as they open up, and obviously as soon as I, it doesn't matter to me anyway because I'll be back out there right away anyway. Um, I'm just wondering, will Disney be giving us tests of some sort? If you know, we're all the cast members out there. If you're working, you exhibit some kind of 
uh, cold or flu-like symptoms, are you going to have to take a test before you go home so that they know whether or not you had it at the time um, and stuff like that? And and like you said, Aaron, I think as time goes on, once we are back to a position, there are going to be certain scares, certain spikes and stuff like that where people are terrified again. But I think the farther away we get from where we're at now, the less and less uh, people are going to be scared. And hopefully we get back to a point. I don't know if we'll ever get back to a point where we were two months ago. I mean, uh, it, it was gangbusters down here two months ago. So Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to have to find something of a happy happy medium. But, but um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I think that it's almost like the, there's a little bit of a ripple effect here because, you know, I can't see, even if the rest of Florida opens by the middle of June, my guess is that Disney is going to say, ooh, thank you. Now we get to sit back and watch. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I wouldn't even doubt they'll let SeaWorld or maybe even Universal or something open at first and see how that goes. Yeah, if there's a SeaWorld left to open. Yeah, yeah I don't see SeaWorld right. opening. Yeah. I don't know. They're going to have to do something with the animals out there. Well, that's so, true. But. Um, okay. So, so talked a little bit about this, but, but, um, I don't know. Anybody else have other things they want to add about sort of the, the other side of this, what things may look like sort of, um, you know, post shutdown. I also, I mean, I honestly don't think like John said that we'll ever see the 60 and 70,000 people in the parks again, at least for five to 10 years. I mean, obviously we all have memories and we always forget things but they you can't i mean you can't have wall-to-wall crowds anymore and people will remember it for a longer time than you know like even after 9-11 when people stopped flying the airplane still took off and people started to get on them pretty quick i mean obviously the airlines were hurt for a while but the airplanes did fly so right that's a good point and I'm, I'm going to go a little counter to that because I think people have memories, but I think people have short memories. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, leading up to this, it was getting to a point where there was no good time to go to Disney no. World that because it was always, always packed, always crowded. And, John, you know better than me, but uh, it seems like it was just. So you you couldn't you couldn't pick and choose a time, and I I think that won't happen again for a while. But I do think that people are going to be, you know, so anxious to get out, get away because you know cabin fever, and you know they might take chances that they might otherwise not take. Well, that's true too. Um, I mean, I, so much of this is, is I guess. I'm almost more anxious to see what happens as some of these states start reopening and we start seeing what the, you know, what, what the follow on spike starts to look like. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that the things that I'm reading about the unusually high prevalence of asymptomatic patients, right. People who, who test positive for the antibody, but never had a symptom. Um, you know, that makes me actually kind of hopeful because, um, because in a weird way, that's really good news. Um, but by the same token, you know, I'm sitting here in Kansas where we're 50th in the country in testing per capita. Um, so, you know, 
I don't know that we really know anything here. Yeah, meanwhile, out in Colorado, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we have seen the peak yet. Here in Massachusetts, we're in it, they think, right now. And knock on wood, we still have, when last checked, over 5,000 hotel beds, I mean, hospital beds available because we've gotten, we know we got boots on the ground early. Right. And, the you know, they were ready for it. They started preparing. But, I mean, you could spike tomorrow. You know, you could have 5,000 cases tomorrow. We don't know it. Yeah, I mean, and I know that that those East Coast, uh, you know, cities are are ahead of where we are here in the Midwest. Uh, I actually have a client who um, I was working on a, a trip with who um, just basically, I got a call from him earlier this evening saying, um, I know we're, we've got quotes, we're waiting to make a decision, but it'll be a little while because um, he's an EMT in, in, uh, outside of Philadelphia, and they just called him up and asked him to go to Baltimore because the Baltimore, you know, they can't keep up with the 911 calls. Um, so he's, you know, going to do some work out of, uh, out of Baltimore for a while. Yeah, I think the... The way the virus has traveled, it's basically left Boston, head, headed to New York, or was in New York with Boston, and it's just spread now. But that, it, it was also pretty prevalent out on the West Coast, Oregon, yep. um, Washington. You know, Washington, and Northern California. Yeah, And they're starting to, you know, they're leveling out, but they're not jumping to open either. All right. Um, anybody else have have any other uh, thoughts on sort of where we are and where we're headed? And and maybe the the question is, what's our best guess of, you know, when when people might be traveling again? Well, uh, if I can ask you guys a personal question, say suppose the middle of June Disney did open. Um, suppose they said everything's fine. Come on back. When were you going to feel comfortable going back as taking your family, not just you, but when are you going to feel comfortable uh, traveling down to Orlando and going back to the parks? I'll speak first. I have a room reserved for July 27th through August 3rd over Fort Wilderness Cabins. And you're going, right? <laughs> if it's open. We're not flying, though. We're driving. <laughs> yeah. And that's 24 hours of driving. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, I'm scheduled to be there in September. Um, and I, at this point, I'm planning on going. Um, I will be, I will say that I tend to be a little cautious. Um, you know, I'm, as an example, I'm usually not somebody who lines up to stay at a brand new resort. The Riviera was a, an exception. Um, I stayed there opening weekend, but but normally, you know, especially like all inclusive resorts, things like that, I want to let somebody else be the guinea pig, and I'll I'll stay there after they've been open running for a year. Um, I don't think I need to wait a year, but I'd certainly like to see how things go for at least a couple of weeks, if not a month, before before I'm traveling. Um, just because I'm I'm conservative by nature when it comes to that kind of thing. Well, and same for me. I'm scheduled to go in September as well. Um, I'm taking a wait and see attitude. You know, let's let's see if it opens, when it opens, how it opens. Is it going to be a soft open? Is it a slow open? 
yeah, let's just kind of see how things go to, to see if that's going to, if that's going to take place or not. How about you, John? You champing at the bit to get back in the parks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we've got our vacation scheduled at the end of August. And as long as they're open, we'll be going. Um, and obviously I'm anticipating really hopeful that, uh, long before that I'll be out there driving a bus, uh, you know, for five, six days a week. So, um, yeah, I, I really don't see me waiting very long at all. Um, but like I said, I also don't have any, um, immediate family that's elderly or, or undergoing any of the treatments that people are cautioning you against, uh, you know, cancer treatments or anything of that sort. So, um, I don't come into direct contact with people like that or folks like that. So yeah, that's going to be interesting too. I mean, once it does open, uh, you think there'll be less elderly folks heading to Disney and stuff like that, especially people with, um, uh, you know, some immune, uh, system disorders because it, it, it it's going to be, there's going to be germophobia for a while. That's for sure. You know, so. Well, what about make a wish? I mean, oh, that's yeah. the last thing Disney wants on their plate. No kidding. No kidding. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. But you're absolutely right. Meanwhile, my client who's planning their trip is, you know, a, a nurse and a, a paramedic um, with a child who is, uh, has, has an immune disease. And they're oh, boy. they're gearing up to take a trip in December. So, well, we'll you gotta, see. Think, you gotta think positive, right? I mean, and, and yeah. they're comfortable that they know how to manage it. That they've been doing, they've been living with it, so they know how to handle it. You know, I've 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 heard, and this is obviously nothing official, but I, what I've heard is we're expecting a a second spike uh, towards the beginning or middle of August. That could have changed even since I saw that. But you know that's that's why I'm saying you know wait and see let's yeah. see let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean ju- just as a sense of perspective, if we look at the look at the current numbers, this is you know numbers today as we're recording, um, and and just looking at at you know our states right of the folks who are recording, we got four of us from four different states. So Massachusetts has um, just over thirty eight thousand total cases. Um, Let's see. Florida is uh, just over is, is well twenty six thousand twenty six thousand three hundred. Um, let's see. Colorado is at nine thousand seven hundred and thirty, and Kansas is where'd we go? There we go. One thousand eight hundred forty nine. Um, but like I said, I think the Kansas numbers are misleading because we've had almost no testing. I mean. Kansas has 1,849 cases reported, and we've only done a little over 6,000 tests in the entire state. And we did 6,000 tests Friday, Saturday, Sunday here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they, they've done almost 24,000 tests in Massachusetts. Um, even Colorado. I mean, Colorado's done, uh, you know, over 8,000 tests. So Colorado has done, what, four times almost the, the number of tests that we've done in Kansas. Yeah. Well, um, show of hands. How many of you know somebody that has been affected? I do. All our hands are up. Yep. Um, I yeah. Can't see John's, but I'm sure his is up too. Yeah. 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 Uh, I know a couple of people actually. So, 
actually, I, I need to check one of the contractors who works with me. Uh, I happen to be a former coworker of his mother back when I was an attorney. And uh, she's uh, actually uh, having a, uh, was supposed to have a tracheotomy done today um, because they'd gotten her off of the respirator and she was still having a hard time breathing. So we'll see boy. if the trach helps. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Even I'll where we don't have a lot of thought. cases, they can hit close to home. So anyway, um, all right. Well, to look at a, a bright note, let's let's close this by doing a quick wraparound. And what's the thing that you're most looking forward to about Walt Disney World reopening that doesn't involve a particular ride? Right? Not about the rides. We've talked about this before. It's about the experience. So what's what's the thing about the experience that you're most looking forward to when Walt Disney World reopens? Um, and we'll let John, the cast member, think about it for a little bit because we just sprang this idea on him. Um, and, and we'll start with Willie. Willie, what are you most looking forward to doing when you head back to the parks? It's sort of a ride, but it's not. <laughs> I honestly get so excited to ride the Skyliner. <laughs> It, and you know how much I liked it. Yes. I, it's like, it's so much fun to me. And it makes going from park to park or some resorts so easy. It's just fun. And it's quick. You know, it's a nice, relaxing ride to me. So sure. that's my favorite thing. That's a good one. So, Tim, how about you? What What are you most looking forward to when, when you show up in September? What is the thing that you're going to be most excited about with the parks open again? Well, I know you all are probably thinking uh, La Cava del Tequila, but no, I'm <laughs> going to be a, a real sap here because the thing I'm most looking forward to is walking to walking into my DVC resort and hearing them say, welcome home. That's just, that's good job. to me, that's the pinnacle. Okay, it's a good one. So, John, have you had a chance to think about yours? What are you most looking forward to? All right. So um, up until, believe it or not, I grew up here in Orlando. And up until a couple of years ago, and I've been out to Disney, God, how many times, I had no idea up until about seven years ago that you could actually walk from Hollywood Studios and to Epcot until we uh, <laughs> stayed at Boardwalk twice. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and until we stayed there twice, I didn't realize that you could walk both directions. And now uh, me and my wife have a habit of parking at Hollywood Studios and purposely walking from there to Epcot because I love going in through the um, International Gateway. So even when we're not staying on property or something, I love that walk and especially spending time with her on that walk. So uh, it would be that, that just that simple walk of all the way through, all the way from Hollywood Studios to uh, Epcot coming across that bridge and seeing that International Gateway, especially now uh, with the, uh, like uh, Willie said, with the uh, Skyliner going past. It's so nice to see those Skyliners coming past. It's a, it's a great walk and I, and I love it. So That's a great one. Well, mine is even, you know, I don't know, maybe a little silly and basic, but, um, and, and maybe of a little more recent vintage, although I guess Willie or Willie chose the, the Skyliners, which are even newer. But for me, it's going to be walking up to that, that hotel room door and just, you know, holding the magic band up and hearing the click, right? Cause it's <laughs> you know, the only place it happens is Walt Disney world and, and, you know, holding up my wrist to the, to the door, having it unlock and, and just, you know, knowing that I'm back in, in that happy place. Um, that that we don't we don't drive to the parks right because we're we're 21 hours plus from where we are so 
to me, that's more impactful than, than driving in under the arch. Um, well, using your magic band, you don't pay for any meals either. It just magically goes away, doesn't it? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, scan, for the budget. scan and goes away. <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think you, what you just said is, um, is really what this is all about, is this is our happy place. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's what we're all looking forward to the most, is getting back to you know, where we can leave the rest of the world behind and just be in our happy place where everything is immersive. It's, it's, you know, let the rest of it go and just be. All right. Uh, so on that excellent note, I think we're going to wrap up here. You know, you heard our takes on dealing with sort of reopening a theme park, right? Reopening a, a resort complex. We'd love to hear your thoughts. When do you think you'll be headed back? When do you think things will be reopening? What are your thoughts on what kinds of things we might see major changes to? Um, give us a, a shout. You can email us at podcast at disdads.com. You can uh, catch us on Twitter at Disdads Podcast. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disdads Podcast. And you can even get us individually. You can get Willie at Willie at WickedMouseTravel.com. You can get Tim at Tim.Hicks at FantasticMemoriesTravel.com. And uh, hey, if you want to give a shout out to a cast member, you could reach John at Over on Twitter on so. John, try try sharing that Twitter handle again. We lost it. Didn't catch a word of that. <laughs> totally garbage. Right. At beer solo. At beer solo. At beer solo on Twitter. There you go. Excellent. Uh, and as always, you can get me at Aaron at mousemastertravel.com if you want to reach me individually. Um, Okay, so until next time, I've been Aaron Ripmaster with my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. Stay safe, safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you real soon. Willie Crocker. Have a wicked wild night. And our special guest, cast member John Peters. Hey guys, hope to see you soon. Great, nice job. Excellent. Hey, thanks guys for having me on. Thanks, Sean. Thanks Thank so much you. for doing it. We really yeah, appreciate it. Awesome.
I don't play a damn. I got to keep on. I don't play a damn thing.